Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 26. And as you turn there, um, uh, we're going to be in week two of this amazing series that we started last week. I'm excited about it um, because it's, it's making us look through the Easter story a different way, a, a way that maybe you've never really comprehended it before. And so we titled uh, this series, Through the Eyes. And what we're doing is we are looking through the eyes of certain individuals, certain characters uh, of the Easter story. So last week, uh, we did a sermon on, on something that typically isn't preached a lot, uh, and that's on Barabbas. And I actually had somebody come up to me this week and said, I never heard a message on Barabbas the whole time I've been in church, and I've been in church more than 20 years. And uh, so I'm excited about that. We're bringing things forward uh, that maybe you've never thought about. Today, uh, what we want to do is make you look through the eyes of the disciples for a moment to help you understand what these guys went through. I I think it's important today uh, that we understand it from their perspective. Uh, We're going to read about two disciples today that, in in our eyes, really messed up. In in our eyes, they they really, uh, you know, put it off the wayside, and really mess things up uh, for our Savior Jesus. But we've got to put ourselves in their shoes for a moment and and understand what the thought process was. And so we're going to be in in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 69 through 75, and then we're actually going to go down to uh, chapter 27 and look at verses 3 through 5. I want to go ahead and read this to you today. Matthew chapter number 26, looking at verses 69 through 75 first. This is what the Bible says. Now Peter, he sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. And then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word of Jesus who said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out, and listen, he wept bitterly. And then drop down to chapter 27, just one chapter over here, and then verses 3 through 5. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. And then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. You know, so as we look at this passage today, two two hard passages to read. um, But what we can see are two disciples that when reading the story, we would say, you know, they failed the job. They messed up. They, they, They didn't complete it. Like they, did, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They betrayed Jesus. They denied Jesus. But I want to give us some insight today that I hope will help us understand the load of pressure that maybe these disciples carried each and every day of Jesus' ministry. Now think about it. Let's first be reminded that these disciples walked with Jesus every single day 
for about three and a half years. Every day. Every day they woke up, they saw the man. Every night they laid down, they saw the man. Every meal that they had, they saw the man face to face. They, they heard the stories. They, they knew the miracles. They understood everything that was going on. The teachings in the city. The preaching to the multitudes. They saw all of that. And listen, you know, a lot of times, it was a few of them that would say, Jesus, I don't believe this can happen. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Those guys are like, this ain't going to happen. This isn't, there's no way you're going to feed all of these people. And they saw things like that all of the time. And then as Jesus is getting ready to be crucified, as this event starts piling on, as the main event, as, as some would say, is going to happen, he's been telling these guys that this was about to take place. And so they're just treating this as another story of the feeding of the 5,000 or, or maybe healing the little girl or, or the one with the blood disease. All of these miracles that had taken place and they're like, okay, you know, he said all this, but now he's telling us that he's going to rise again. Like, he's going to die and then he's going to come back to life. Right, and they're starting to think and going through the process of, is this really going to happen? Is what this man says, is he really... Jesus to Christ, like, you know, feeding the 5,000, one, one, one thing. Maybe he had fish behind his back and just threw it out on the plate, and it happened. You know, a lot of things, that their, their thought process is like, okay, maybe that little girl wasn't so sick. Maybe that person really wasn't lame. Maybe that person wasn't blind, really. Maybe they could see a little bit. And they start going through all of this. And now all of a sudden, Jesus says, look, there's going to be one of you betray me. There's going to be one of you deny me. And all of them are looking at each other like, not me, Lord. I ain't going to do it. Kind of like we would do it, right? Like all of us would say that. If, I, if we were sitting around the table with Jesus today, I believe every single one of us would say, not me, Lord. It won't be me. But how often in our life, how often in our life, church, do we deny Jesus on a weekly basis? We may not deny him with our words, but we may deny him in our Bible reading. We may deny him in our prayer life. We may deny him in our worship time. There's a lot of denying that can take place. And it doesn't have to be with our lips. And so I want you to understand that this was a lot. You know, they, they had seen evangelism at its finest. You know, we think we've seen some awesome things here. They got to see Jesus firsthand do these things. They'd seen discipleship taking place. Like the master discipler was there disciple maker the ministry that he modeled is honestly the ministry that we tried to do at cross life like I, i'm working towards the feeding of the five thousand thing like I, I think we can do that that would be an awesome experience cindy says we've already done it when we did north Carolina high school last last summer like, it felt like that but wouldn't it be awesome to see that with our eyes and understand, these men, they carried a load on their back. We, we can back up in Scripture right before these passages and, and, and see in, in Matthew 26 that Judas had went to the chief priest and he sought money to betray Jesus. Like, he wanted to be paid for it. And then following that, Jesus had that last supper with the disciples. And, and at that last supper, he told them that there was going to be this person that denied him three times. And as the disciples just frantically look around saying, not me, 
it would set the stage for the things to come. Following this instant, Jesus goes and, and he prays in the garden. I'm sure you remember that story. He prays in the garden and, and he asked the disciples to watch over him. To watch over him at night while he went and prayed. He took the load of our sins in the garden. And, and he takes Peter and two sons of, of Zebedee with him. And as Jesus finishes praying, they go back to the others. And all of the disciples fell asleep. Like they let him down. They had one job to do, stay awake. Like, they didn't have the Playstations and the Xboxes and the iPhones and the Blackberries or whatever you call them today. But all they had to do was stay awake and talk to each other. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't hard for them to do it. And instead, they fell asleep and then things started happening from there. It wouldn't be long after that that, that Jesus would be tra betrayed by by Judas with a kiss and Jesus would be arrested. And so then the stage is said, there's a question that arises to me when I read this particular passage and also the passages around this story, which one am I? Which, which one of these guys am I? Am I more like the disciples that fell asleep in the garden? Did I just need that extra hour of sleep? Some of you wish you would have had that extra hour of sleep last night. And am I more like Judas who would agree to betray Jesus if the price was right? Or would I be like Peter who just denied Jesus and then realized exactly what I did afterwards? You know, all three of these men, tough scenarios. But once again, we have to think about if we're in the mix somewhere somehow although the others didn't necessarily do anything wrong hey i would say when jesus was arrested you've got to admit every single one of them felt guilty you they, they had to carry that around and then and then think about it, they had to go back to their families and say we let jesus get arrested and then the families are going to be like why'd you do that and so it was just going to be hard. And some of them probably wouldn't even go home to their family because they were shameful of what happened. Some of them may would pitch a tent and just, and just hang out in a country field nearby so they didn't have to go home and tell somebody else what had taken place. Nobody was going to go back to Mary like, Mary, look what we've done. We've lost your son. Nobody was going to go back to Joseph. Nobody was going to go back to the town to be in the middle of it because they were all shameful of what had happened. They, they probably felt a load on them. Um, some today, <laughs> you may be here and you're wandering around aimlessly, uh, wondering what's going to happen in your life. And that's okay. Let me tell you, it's okay. Because I'll, I'll be the first one to encourage you. Jesus has got you. I, I taught a, a lesson last night to our youth group. When you're a nobody going nowhere. Some of us feel that way. You know, you, you take a step forward and it seems like you take five back. Or maybe you take ten steps forward and you take eleven back. You feel like you're, you're getting somewhere in your financial life and then you get a bill for $600 you weren't expecting. We've all been there. We've, we've all had those situations arise in our life. Maybe, maybe it's your car's working fine today and tomorrow morning you go to crank it and it won't crank. And it starts off a bad week. I, I've been there. 
I understand it. But let me tell you, you're somebody. And that somebody is somebody that Jesus wants. He wants all of you. He just doesn't want a little part of us. He wants all of us. And he wants to do something miraculous in our life. And what's happening is we're walking around aimlessly. We're feeling down. We're feeling discouraged. And all of this time that we're feeling down and we're feeling discouraged, our eyes haven't been focused on him. And we forgot who's got us as far as we've gone. I want to encourage you today. It could be, your world could be in a whirlwind right now. You could feel like you're in quicksand right now, but get up, dust it off, get yourself together because there's a man who loves you and he gave his life for you and it's better than anybody else out there can do for you. I love my wife. I love my family. I love the family that the Lord gave me though. But I love Jesus much more. She's okay with that okay with that because we love the Lord first first thing I want us to see through the eyes of the disciples though is the denial that took place the denial that took place if you if you want to get your tongue twisted just try to say the denial uh, that's that's harder than it looks the denial I said it all week long uh, trying to get it right but we know denial took place when when we can see it in Matthew when Peter denied Jesus you know, I, I think about Peter, and, and, and I ask this question, have you ever just asked yourself if there's been a time and a place where denial took place? I can't help but think how Peter must have felt. He did exactly what he said he wouldn't do when the denial took place. You know, back in the Last Supper, he was the one that would stand up to say, not me, Lord, not, not me, I'm not going to do it. But how often have we done that just ourselves? We say, not me, Lord. <laughs> it's not going to be me. Uh, we're getting ready to, 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 to put new leaders in place, and everybody's in the church, all, all, all 50 of you. Not me, not me. And then the Lord calls one of you. Or, or maybe, maybe it was uh, an instance that happened in your life. Maybe it was a job promotion. You're like, I don't want that promotion. Not me, God. And then he puts it in your lap. You know, so often throughout this life, we say, not me. We, we, we say those words, but do we really mean those words? Peter was one of those where he would say, not me, Lord. He would go and deny Jesus. But at the same time that he denied Jesus, he would understand and comprehend what he was about to do. I truly believe that. I, I believe that he knew exactly what was going on. And when he heard the rooster crow... <laughs> He exactly knew what was going on because he remembered the words that Jesus was going to say and what he had told them. No, Peter's denial would just be a turning point in Peter's life. Peter's denial ultimately would make Peter see that it should be him that would hang on the cross and not Jesus. He knew that this would deeply hurt Jesus and that this would be something he would have to carry on for the rest of his life. But as Peter was at this crossroads that day, he had a choice that he was going to have to make. Either he could continue to deny or he could continue to seek forgiveness and seek to be used by God. 
You know, I'm thankful today that that Peter decided to do the latter because God would use Peter in a mighty way later on. Would he not? Think about it. In the book of Acts, Peter would be one of the ringleaders. That he would go out and he would would preach to the multitudes and, and multitudes would become saved. You know, imagine that whole field out here full of people and hundreds or maybe thousands of lives being saved. That is what Peter experienced almost on a weekly, if not daily basis. What is it going to take in the church to have that happen again? You know, you would think right now we live in a time that people would be a little antsy. You know, people would, people would want to come to church. People would, people would want this thing to end so people would flock to the church and pray, but the opposite has taken place. Maybe it's feared. I don't know. Maybe it's the comfortable of the home. They've got used to it. That's okay. But eventually, we've got to run back to Jesus. Eventually, we've got to seek revival. And the only way that we can do that is if we get in one accord of one body of believers and make it happen. I don't know about you. I'm ready to see revival. I'm ready to see something take place. And whether that means 20 churches are joining together to make it happen, whether that means cross life leads the way, I don't know. Something we're praying about, but something's got to take place. Because I believe this world needs it. They need a hope. They need to feel a future. They need to understand that they're not in it alone. Peter may have felt at this time he was in, the, in it alone, but at the same time, just, just a, a little while later, Jesus is going to be sitting at the, at the sea, at the seaside with, with Peter eating breakfast, and he's going to look at Peter and like, look, man, do you love me? <laughs> and Peter's like, yeah, I love you. You know, the first time is whatever. Second time, he's like, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's starting to get a little antsy. He's starting to get frustrated. Yes, Jesus, I love you. And the third time, Peter is asked, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, I love you. What do you want out of me? And he's like, I want you to go feed my sheep. And I'm going to send you out. And you may feel right now that you have let me down, but let me tell you, you're about to break every wall down, and I'm going to use you for the kingdom. Listen, if there's been a time in your life where you feel like you've just messed up, and you've gone astray, and you've done things that maybe you shouldn't have done, there's hope. And Jesus wants you to run to Him, and He wants you to understand that it is okay. That there may be uh, differences going on, and there may be times where, where we say, God, I wish I wouldn't have done this, or I wouldn't have done that. But at the same time, Jesus wants to embrace you. And He wants to love you in a way that you've never been loved before. You know, I, I'm thankful that, that Peter decided to run back. You know, he didn't go hide. But what about you? You know, have, have you had that defining moment in your life that you can say has changed you for the betterment of the gospel? Has there been that moment that you can just know that your heart changed for the glory of God? I want you to remember that moment. Remember how you felt. Remember the love that you felt through it. 
And the next time you're going through something, remember the moment. The denial had to take place, though. It had to have taken place for the story to unfold. Number two, there was an overload that took place. There, there was an overload. Y'all heard that, right? There was, <laughs> there was, it was an overload of the paper towel. <laughs> the overload took place. We've seen Peter's hurt, but let's go to Judas. Let's go to Judas for a moment. Judas was this disciple that also betrayed Jesus. Not only did he betrayed Jesus, he did it for 30 pieces of silver. Now, let's put this in modern day terms for a moment. 30 pieces of silver is about $20 a piece. $20 a piece is what a piece of silver would have cost back then. And so total, Judas would have received about $600 in American dollars for betraying Jesus. In, in Bible times, 30 pieces of silver related to about five weeks of work, maybe a little less, that would be done for someone to receive this much money. So in five weeks, Peter or uh, Judas was going to be out of money. Okay, He wasn't going to have any more. But Judas in that moment thought it was worth it. Maybe, maybe Judas needed it for his family. Got to throw all the odds out of there. Maybe, maybe he needed it for his family. Maybe, maybe there was a, a tax guy that he had to pay. Maybe, maybe he just said, I, I need $600. Who knows? We're not going to ask. There's, there's been people to come to our door before saying, I need $600. You know, we, we've been there. Hey, it's not my job to, to question it. It's my job to analyze it and discuss it. Hey? And so Peter, Judas is here in this, in this scenario, and once again, we're here, and we want to ask the question, why? Why would he do such a thing? Why would he do it for so little of money? Was Jesus not worth it more to him? Was he not worth more? Hey, but so often we'll let something go that we pay top dollar for for five bucks just because we need a little side cash. Hey, I, I've, known, I've known people to sell cars that they bought for a certain price and they took like 80% off because their family needed the money in that moment. Or maybe it's Christmas time and you want to provide Christmas for your kids. And you need to let something go. You know, all the questions are okay to ask. But the problem is we point fingers instead of asking ourselves, have I been there before? Have I been in that moment before? When, when was money in your life more important than Jesus? Hey. We've got to realize today that our money is his money. Look, money just doesn't fall from the sky. It doesn't happen. You work for it. Okay? In just a few moments, or a few moments, maybe a few moments for some of you, you look at your bank account, there's going to be a stimulus check come in your bank. You You didn't do it. All you did was live through COVID for the last year. You got money. Hey, understand it's his money. And he's allowed you to get it. And it's up to us how we use it. Now, I, I think about any time that we, we, we go to, to bring an offering to the church. I, I remember young in life. Okay? I was young in ministry, probably 18, 19 years old. I was a youth pastor. And on my way to church, I knew 
that there were some things that needed to get done to my little Ford Focus. That Ford Focus was the devil. Uh, it was nothing but trouble since the day that I bought that car. Literally the first night that I had that car, it broke down. Hey, just story, story told. And, and, and I knew there were some things that needed to be done. And I said, God, I'll hold off my $100 this week, and I'll put, I'll put double in next week. On my way back home from church, my fuel pump locked up, or my fuel pump went out, my, my water pump locked up. And, and, a, and a job that would have cost maybe $120 to do Monday morning was now going to cost me 700 Now, I don't know if that was the Lord punishing me for not giving, but I promise you, every Sunday since, I've given my offering, and I have not questioned it. Hey, God has His way of waking us up. Now, that car didn't make it, okay? Um, a year later, I had a new car because I was tired of fooling with that thing. But whoever got it probably never had a problem with it because everything was replaced. We have those moments, don't we, where the realization comes that Jesus is greater than anything else. And, and that was my aha moment when it came time to giving to the Lord, giving my offering. Whether you do it online, whether you do it here at the church, whether you write a check and send it in the mail, it does not matter. As long as you're faithful, hey, that's what matters. And I'll tell you, these disciples... For three and a half years, they were a faithful group of people. And yes, we're reading a story today where they really messed up. But I'm telling you, like, if we were in their place, we would have messed up too. Because not one of us is perfect. The only man that's perfect is Jesus. And he's the one that took his life for you on the cross. And I'm, I don't know. And it was just an unfortunate series of events that had to take place in order for things to happen, but there had to have been an overload going on in Judas's life. The weight on his shoulders was, was too much. And this is what he would say, I'm better off dead than alive at this point. I can't go back to the disciples. I'm the one that's responsible for Jesus being arrested. Was he going to go back to the disciples? I highly doubt it. Was he going to go back to his home? and look at his wife and his kids and say, I'm the reason that that man's on the cross because I traded it for $600 so we could pay our rent for a few weeks? You've got to play all of these scenarios in your mind and look through the eyes. Like He had nowhere else to go unless he went way out there where he didn't know anybody. But news travels fast. Did you know that? Look, something can happen at Cross Life Church and somebody in Denver, Colorado can find out the next moment. I, I, I remember when we, were, when we were getting ready to, uh, to do the food pantry and we were trying to collect money um, to, to make it happen, really, to, to even start the thing. And, and people were sending us money that we didn't even know. It's crazy how God works that way, isn't it? When we were getting ready to launch this location in December, checks were coming in the mail from people we did not know. I had no connection. You had no connection. And I'm like, well, how did they find out? Word travels fast. And the good thing is when word, word travels fast, then on the other end of that, we may receive a blessing from it. But Judas didn't want to wait it out. Judas said, I'm better off just dying, and I know I'm ashamed. 
I'm ashamed of what has happened. I allowed the man that I said I loved to be arrested for 30 little pieces of silver. And you know what? Judas didn't even keep it. He went back to the money changers and gave it back. And so when Judas hung himself, he didn't have anything left. And he felt like that's what he owed. That was the debt that he owed. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know, but I just know the load on Judas's back was really heavy. It, it, it was hard to comprehend. We, we, we want to point out the sin of Judas so much. But what I can't understand is why we have such a hard problem picking ours out. Because every single one of us have the sin in our life too. But we're quick to point somebody else out. Should have brought Riley's mirror back this morning so we could look at ourselves again. And ask ourselves, would we have done the same thing? I don't understand why we want to place blame on everyone else, but ourselves, when quite honestly, we, we have been right there with Judas. Was it a sad story? Absolutely. Because Judas was at his limit, and there was nothing much else he could do. And I've talked to people this week that have been at their limits. And they feel like there's nothing else. There's no hope. But I want to encourage you to take a step, one step at a time. The Lord has got you. You may not know it now, but he's got you. But Judas had, he just said, I'm going to end it myself. I'm just going to be done. So much guilt, so much stuff shattered, shadowing over him that he just couldn't handle it. Lastly this morning, really quick, we need to look at the cry. We need to look at the cry. Although the disciples were followers of Jesus for this ministry, during this time, if we will just look through their eyes for a moment, we will probably see their cry for help. I'm sure they're feeling hurt. I'm sure they're feeling disappointed. They're like, man, this guy did tell us this was going to happen, and we didn't believe it. They're, they're looking at this moment, and they're, they're probably feeling lost. They're probably feeling afraid. They were probably feeling a pain that maybe they had never felt within them. You know, some, some of you ha have experienced a, a pain that you never want to go through again. Uh, in my life, I, I can't say that I, I've, had a, I've, had, I've had a grandparent die that I was really close to, but I haven't had a parent die. I haven't had a, a brother die. I, I've, had, I've had a best friend die, but I was like when I was seven years old. I didn't, I didn't really understand those things going on. But some of you have felt hurt. You have felt a lot of pain. You have felt a lot of suffering. And, and, and during that time when you feel the pain and you feel the suffering, you feel like there's no hope. And, and some of you may be looking like, God, why do you keep me here? And you just wake up every day wondering when it's going to happen. When it's going to be over with. But when's the last time we can say we felt pain for the sake of Christ? You know, when, when was the last time we can say that we felt a burden for the sake of Christ? Maybe the last time that, that we can say we stood up for the sake of Jesus. They knew that they would be calling their Savior, the one who they called their Savior, 
was about to do something that he said he was going to do. He was going to go be crucified, and they didn't understand it. They, they didn't understand that all of this had to take place. They had heard him talk about it. They had heard him talk to others about it. They heard him preach about it. But I don't really think they believed it was going to get this bad. Like, okay, he's going to be crucified. Forgot about the arresting. Forgot about the beating. Forgot about all the ridiculing that would take place. And you know, when they went to the cross with Jesus, there wasn't many of these disciples even there. John was beside Mary. And maybe the disciples were looking, we don't, we don't know, but maybe, maybe they were looking from afar. But they didn't want to stand close to the cross that day. Put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples. You've got one that denied Jesus. You've got one that betrayed Jesus. You've got ten others who are lost and afraid. And where would you want to be? <laughs> like, which shoes would you want to be in? Because none of those scenarios are really good. Hey, none of them are popular choices. And if we look through the eyes of the disciples today, maybe we will see that we are just like them at times. Listen to how these men lives ended okay simon as known as peter was martyred that means he was killed for the sake of jesus andrew andrew was whipped absolutely terribly and then tied to the cross not nailed to the cross he was tied to the cross so that he would suffer a few more days up there he would live for two days during which others would just pass by and look at him and mock him James, son of Zebedee, also known as James the Greater, in Acts chapter 12, you can read in verses 1 through 19, it says that James was killed with a sword. And, and the newly appointed governor of Judea, Judea uh, Herod Agrippa at that time, decided that he would destroy the Romans on him by persecuting these leaders. Okay? And, and after James was arrested and led to the place of execution, his unnamed accuser, was moved by his courage. And not only that, but his, his, uh, his executioner would repent and be converted on the spot. James would lead him to Jesus, but also this guy looks at him and says, I want to be executed beside this man too. So the Roman executioners did what they asked, and both men were beheaded for the sake of Jesus. John was the only one of the original disciples not to die a violent death. Um, instead, he passed away peacefully in a, in a place called Patmos. Philip, the first of Jesus' disciples, became a missionary in Asia. He was whipped harshly, thrown into a prison, crucified in 54 AD. Bartholomew, crucified. Some others say that he was skinned alive and burned alive. Thomas, apparently Thomas preached the gospel in Greece and India. He angered local um, authorities, religious authorities, who then martyred him, and Thomas ran through a spear. Matthew, according to a legend, former tax collector turned missionary, martyred in Ethiopia, stabbed in the back. James, son of Alphaeus, age of 94, he was beaten and stoned by prosecutors, and then he was killed they killed him by hitting him in the head with, with a club. Thaddeus, 
also known as Jude. According to several stories, he was crucified at a place called Edessa in 72 A.D. Simon the Canaanite. Simon preached in a place that I can't, I can't pronounce. Uh, something with Taney at the end on the west coast of Africa. Hey, that, that's more like it. West coast of Africa, went to England, where he was crucified. Judas Iscariot betrayed, hung himself. Does any of those sound like lives that we want to live? And we want to, we want to die in that way? Is the gospel worth it? That if it came a time and a place that we were to stand up for Jesus, would we do as these men did? We can question all day, did Peter love him? Did, did Judas love him? But I believe that it says in all of these men, I've got, I've got highlights all over my notes today, where I can tell you that these men loved Jesus. They loved his ministry. And yeah, they made mistakes that you and I would have made too. But at the same time, at the same place, as we put ourselves in their shoes, I would pronounce these men heroes. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here talking about it today. We wouldn't be in this place preaching Jesus today. And just maybe, if we would just analyze this and understand these, all of these stories, they have the same central theme. They're the events leading up to Jesus on the cross. And I've asked you to look through the eyes of them, but I want you to look through your eyes too. What do you see today? Are you happy with the way the world is going? Are we happy with the way the gospel gets to be presented today? Are we happy with the way things are rolling in the United States of America? Because I believe that there may be a day where we see the same thing happening right here in our states if we don't get passionate about the gospel. If we don't get passionate about what Jesus did for us. And you can say and you can look and you can, you can talk to others and say, oh, that'll never happen. There's been a lot of things that people have said never happened and it happened. Look, when COVID first happened, people said, oh, they won't shut the country down. It won't happen. Three days later, we were shut down. Things can happen. Things happen quick. And what we've got to understand today, that things can happen quick in the American church as well. And we've got to make up our minds. Are we going to stand up for the gospel of Jesus? Or are we going to lay down and say, it ain't worth it? I'm telling you today, it's worth it. I told our students last night, <laughs> the best thing that they can do is give their life to Jesus. And if they haven't done it yet, they're missing out. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that for the sake of Christ, you're going to be beheaded and stoned and ridiculed. There's going to be, there's going to be some things happen. Look, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're doing it the right way, you're going to run into some, some areas that are going to be tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I will say there are people that are hungry to hear the real story, the real version. And this is what they want today. This is what I'm learning today. They don't just want this sugarcoat story. They, they want the truth. Like, they want to know what you've been through. Like, everybody talks about my generation. My generation just wants you to shoot them straight. I, I've talked to several people my age, and they don't want you to sugarcoat things. They don't want you to beat around the bush. Just tell me why I should go to church, and I'll make up my mind. Like, that's my generation. They're hard-headed. 
But at the same time, they'll listen to you. What's it going to be, church? You know, we've seen the events leading up. But the question is, have we truly felt the power of the cross in our life? Can we say today that we have truly felt the change that Jesus wants to give us? And if you haven't, my prayer today is that you would look no further and you would accept Jesus Christ in your heart for the first time ever today. Or maybe it's you and you're struggling and you just need help. You just need hope. Maybe you want to reset and start over. That was the best thing about a Super Nintendo growing up. If you messed up, you just reset the thing. Sometimes we need a reset in life. And it's okay to reset. Because when we reset, our eyes are focused back where it should be. If that's you today, we're going to have a, a closing invitation. Uh, it's going to be music in the background. You can, you can sit where you are, pray where you are. But I really want you to say, ask yourself, what do I see? You know, I, I've given you a lot of things this morning of what I thought you should see through this. But maybe you see it a different way. And maybe God's calling you to step out. To step forward. And change your life. And when you do it, it's going to be changed for the better. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for the word. Thank you for uh, the message you have given me today to, to proclaim and Lord, I pray that it's, it's been an eye-opener. Lord, that, that it's put us thinking about things that maybe we've never thought about before. God, use this time, use this invitational time for your glory. God, if there's anybody among us that needs you in their life, Lord, will you just reach out your hand right now and pour out your love upon them right where they're sitting. God, that... Honestly, they can't even close their eyes tonight until they make the decision for you. God, I I just pray that if there's somebody lost that doesn't know you as a personal Savior in their life, that today would be a day that they would make the bold statement that they need you in their life. God, you are a great God. God, you love us so much. That we can see in the Easter story and we can see all the way throughout Scripture that you sent your son Jesus just to die in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life in heaven. So God, use this time for your benefit. We ask these things in Jesus' name.